0: Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit-chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at asliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. On today's episode, we ask the question, does sugar cause diabetes? We are joined by Dr. Sandra Isibor, a general practitioner in Nottingham, England. Dr. Isibor is a GP with a special interest in obesity and weight management. She graduated from the Leicester Medical School and completed her specialist training with Health Education East Midlands. Dr. Isibor is a member of the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine and the Association of the Study of Obesity. She is an advocate for improving the access to healthcare for ethnic minorities, especially those of African and Caribbean descent. She's also known as Dr. Sandy on social media, where she uses her platform to empower people to make realistic lifestyle changes for a better healthcare outcome. Dr. Sandy is a socialite with an infectious energy and a genuine interest in improving partnerships among healthcare professionals in the diaspora. Please join me to welcome Dr. Isiba to the episode. Hello, Dr. Sandra. Welcome to the episode. Finally, Uh, we finally have you on. I'm so excited to have you on. Finally.
1: (laughs) How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm really, really grateful to be on this show. Um, Yes, as you know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Great, so why don't, you tell, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, um,
1: what you do, um, what
0: you're interested in.
1: So my name is Sandra Isabel, I'm a GP in the East Midlands of England and I um, work at a practice that is quite m- multicultural as well. Um, um, my special interest area is obesity and weight management. And um, I mean, I would describe myself as an advocate for improving access to healthcare for the African Caribbean population, both yeah. in the UK and um, globally.
0: Yeah, awesome. And what made you sort of interested in weight management and, you know, sort of healthy living, weight management, that, that
2: side of that side of medicine?
1: I think it's just been a transition period. It's been an ongoing thing for a long time. I've always been interested in health anyway, because I know health should be the core yeah. of of an individual because it's as important as anything else. I mean, without health, you can't even make wealth, you know, you need to be healthy to be able to function yeah. and to be happy. Um so I mean, I guess that's why I also became a doctor. Yeah. Well, in terms of fitness, I, I noticed um this was actually um, about 2008. Okay. So I was all, I've always been a slim fit, and um, obviously I went abroad, stayed in America for about a month, and I noticed that I put on. I went from a size eight to a twelve. No a very, way. I did actually, um, and so. But then when you get to that point, you, you you're not even sure how to go back, you know. And I, to be honest, it never really bothered me that too much because i had mm-hmm. other things in medical school um but then over time you realize actually you're not being healthy and how can you be teaching other people to be healthy when you're not fit yourself yeah. so obviously said everything about nutrition and exercise and just gradually and um, but then I, I saying that i've always been an outdoor person i love exercise Although, um you know I loved exercise but then because of the social factors around me I wasn't exercising much it's interesting how you can obviously switch
2: yes. um,
1: because of the environmental factors
2: Definitely,
1: until yeah. I, made, uh, uh, I, I made an informed decision to actually become um, a bit more thoughtful with what I ate and um, increasing my level of physical activity and to be honest I've not looked back since then it's been obviously it's been like waves, you know, sometimes you do more than it's other dirty, times. Isn't
2: it? Yeah. Oh, and I'm always, you know,
1: trying to make sure I stay fit and healthy. Yeah,
0: That is that is fantastic. And oh my goodness, from an eight to a 12 in such a short span of time. But that, America will do that to you, you know, like their portions are so huge. The size yes. of the slice of pizza is massive. It's like the size of my face. Like
1: It was a culture. Be honest, I think I never expected
0: it. <laughs> you never expected it,
1: <laughs> yes. You you know that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, so today we're going to be talking, so sort of on that line, basically, um, which is obviously it fits into your special interest as well in terms of sugar and diabetes. And the, the main question we're asking is, Does sugar cause diabetes? What do you think?
1: That was actually an interesting question. Okay, say yes. <laughs> because as you know there are different types of diabetes there's type 1 diabetes which has got nothing to do with the amount of sugar you're taking it's because um there's a small organ just that lies behind your stomach it's called the pancreas it's not working as well as it should do so that's why people become um diabetic type 1 so they will need insulin because the pancreas is not producing insulin so they will need to be given insulin to be able to function normally so that's definitely nothing to do with sugar but then you've got type 2 diabetes again type 2 diabetes is obviously quite common that's one a lot of people refer to
2: um
1: and i wouldn't say sugar causes type 2 diabetes either there's no direct link Mm -hmm. however If you eat more sugar, you're more likely to put on weight. And as we know, obesity is one of the major risk factors for type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And so tell us a bit more about sort of a diagnosis of diabetes. So how do we then get to that point where we're saying to someone, you know, you've got diabetes. And then we then start talking about sugar intake, because that's when it then starts to become an issue, isn't it? When people realise that actually I've got this problem. And the doctor is telling me that actually my diet contains way too much sugar and they've never really thought about it before.
2: Okay,
1: I mean, I mean, let's just go back to the basics in terms of um, diagnosing diabetes. As we know, a lot of patients or people are not symptomatic. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any symptoms. Most cases of that is actually picked up incidentally.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, people might have had screening for for the work related issues or some people say the men's well men's or well women's check yes yes <laughs> good everyone should have that yeah definitely so that you could have been picked up incidentally um however for some people they might have symptoms so um it could be minuses that you're peeing a lot or you're becoming quite thirsty
2: yeah
1: and for some people they lose weight Um, although we know that obesity can be linked to type 2 diabetes some people, because of obviously the amount of sugar in the blood they lose um, some weight and also you might, it could be subtle things like recurrent water infections or recurrent thrush infections and um, for some people, you know, there's something I need to mention which I don't think we talk about much because, I mean, you don't really think about it but for some people, they might have what we call acanthosis Yes. so they're like a dat velvety patch tends to be around the neck, neck. All of that, the, the yeah exactly
0: that is In the that really important because there are a lot of people that go around especially darker skinned people who go around with those patches and have always or felt that they've had it for a long time but it, it might actually be an indication of diabetes and other medical problems
1: so um i mean obviously once if you have any of those symptoms you need to go to your doctor and um it depends on what part of the world you are yeah <laughs> so you might that yeah, the first thing that's done is either a urine test or um, a blood sugar test, so with a pinprick test. Um, and obviously that, that's not enough to diagnose diabetes, so you would need to have more definitive testing, which could be in the form of, um, of fasting blood sugar. So that's where you're asked to fast up at night and then you have your blood taken the next morning. Or it could be um, in the form of blood test called HbA1c, which tends to be used... Um, predominantly in, in england right now um if you haven't got any symptoms with diabetes it's recommended that a test is repeated um to just confirm the diagnosis if you've got symptoms we start treatment generally yeah. although we can't get the test
2: just to to be prudent yeah okay so
0: when people then have had this test and the hba1c is quite a good test as well because it it shows the coating of what we call your hemoglobin, which is part of your red cells over a prolonged period of time. so it's not just a snapshot, it's actually a snapshot over about 90 to 120 days and it's a lot more accurate um, in a lot of people. But then when they come in and you know they finally you finally tell them, okay yeah you do have diabetes either because both of your HBA1Cs at separate occasions are high or uh-huh. you have symptoms and your fasting sugars, or your H B A one C is also within the diabetic range and then they say, oh, is it because I eat too much sugar? What what what, what should the right answer be?
1: Um <laughs> not entirely. Okay. But absolutely sugar, it's not good when you're <laughs> definitely diabetic and um even pre i mean too much i mean sugar is not necessarily the bad thing actually before we go on let's let's break it down so when we talk about sugars we've got natural sugars okay so natural sugars you will find in foods um you will find in like fruits dairy products and then you've got added sugars so in processed foods you can have added sugars in like cakes pies pastries sauces those sort of things so when we say natural sugar obviously natural sugars are healthy to an extent as long as you're not consuming too much added sugars you don't necessarily need added sugars but again i wouldn't say it's, it's about obviously taking things in moderation i wouldn't say it, it is the main cause because yes i mean trying to address the african population when when we talk about sugars and people think more about um they think about added sugars only which is fair enough um, but then also, there are natural sugars so if you have very sweet fruits, yeah. okay, that can also affect your your sugar level, the control of your sugar in the blood. um but um on the whole, I would say definitely moderation, yes, yeah. but that's not all when we talk about type two diabetes, there are other risk factors, mm-hmm. okay, so diet and lifestyle is definitely one of it. Sugar is one part of it because that can, as you know, diabetes having an excessive amount of sugar in the blood yeah okay so um raw sugars added sugars is one aspect of it but then we've got things like saturated fat Mm -hmm. so that's fat you get from like cooking oils mainly the like you know um things that like coconut oil palm oil those sort of things palm oil is actually more more trans fat um which as you know saturated fat can become converted to sugar in the blood so what we i know people know it as sugar but we refer to um sugars as glucose so it can come come converted, so that can obviously affect your sugar control in the blood um so that's one aspect of it so diet definitely and then lifestyle obviously if you're not if you're quite sedentary not doing much physical activities the risk of type 2 diabetes is also high and we've, we've got obesity so i mentioned obesity earlier on i mean from the studies that have been done, actually. 80% of type two diabetics um in I mean in in England, this is based on England's statistics. So um eighty percent of people diabetes is actually linked to being obese. Mm. So you're more you're eighty times more likely to develop type two diabetes if you're obese.
0: That is that is a very shock well, I mean, it I think it's a shocking statistic, but it's not really if you think about it in terms of the facts and the understanding that we have of the illness, the nature of the illness, and also the kind of lifestyles that we currently engage in as well. And the way we eat, I, I I was on a talk show recently, and I talked about how a lot of us graze throughout the day. And people didn't like that term. They said, oh, no, grazing is for animals. And it's, you know, it's cows and <laughs> goats that graze. And I was saying, yeah, but we humans, we started doing that now in our lifestyles. We don't actually have set times where we eat we sort of eat at mm-hmm. and have a, a biscuit here a cake there someone puts something in the coffee coffee room and, and you know we we go to quick things that give us a high a quick boost of energy um, absolutely and then we don't then have active lifestyles so we take the train to work or the bus to work or we drive to work mm-hmm. and all these things then eventually eventually build up but then how do we then keep still staying on sort of the sugar side of things so you know, in surgery, sometimes I'd have patients say to me, oh, yeah, well, you know, you've know, you said I have diabetes and now you want to take away all the pleasure in life. And um, the, the message I'm trying to bring across is I'm not trying to, you know, extinguish or excommunicate sugar from your life. No, but it's about mm-hmm. trying to have a balance. So as opposed to saying you're never going to touch refined sugar again, how do we mm-hmm. then get you into actually saying, you might touch it, but you'll touch it in a moderate way, in a balanced way, so that you're doing something beneficial for your long term health. Does that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that, that, that makes sense. Um I mean we, we need to we need to make it clear, sugar itself, it's not a bad thing.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Having
1: excess of sugar, that's yeah. bad. With type two diabetes, as you know, the main problem is the fact that you're either producing less insulin. Yeah. Okay. Or your body is actually producing insulin, but your muscles, your liver cells, your cells in your body are not responding to the insulin that's produced. So what we call insulin resistance. Yeah. Okay. So imagine if you, I mean, like if you you consumed, um, you know, uh, uh, you, you were saying something about having sh- quick bust of sugar, so mm-hmm. things with high, high, um what we call glycemic index. Yeah. Because what the high glycemic index I means, so once you once you consume it, obviously it goes straight into your bloodstream. It can send your sugar levels up oh. pretty much straight away. But then it's it, it's obviously gone. And in it's like a really time. Well, it? Yeah. hungry again, you're back <laughs> to smoke, <laughs> and you're more. But during those times, your sugar levels are obviously high because yeah. especially. Like you said, if you're sedentary and you've not used it up, you will be in your blood. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in terms of, I definitely, I mean, with diabetes, so um, I would never say to a patient you would not be able to con- consume refined sugars ever again. Okay. If you can avoid it, that's great. I mean, normally we advocate is for alternatives. Okay. So, let's say, I mean, in, t- in terms of like cup of tea, you know, instead of using um, refined sugar, um, you could. Maybe try some honey, which has got sugar. So it has to be like maybe half a tablespoon or a, t- a teaspoon, rather, um, of, of honey. But myself, I use stevia. I'm not diabetic, but I use um, stevia it's got no it's got zero calories.
0: You know, it's it's amazing that you talk about that actually, because there's been a lot coming out now about um sweeteners and should we actually use sweeteners or not. And it was in it was when I was in medical school that I actually stopped adding sugar to my coffee. Um mm-hmm. just because I just thought, well, you know, I have so many cups of coffee every day already, which is a problem in itself. But if I'm adding a teaspoon of sugar to it every single time, then that is actually, that is probably not, you know, that is not going to help me long-term. And I think making mm-hmm. kind of simple switches yes, are not seem big, but long-term, they're actually really important. And I think mm-hmm. sending these messages across the patients, that, that is really, really important as well. What, what, other, yeah. messages, what other kind of things are um, simple, but practical and can be maintained long-term?
1: okay so um just sticking to um diets um at the moment mm. so um i mean there's not specific diets for diabetes but what would recommend is um fiber rich mm-hmm. carbohydrates yeah so instead of your white rice which is got a lot of starch you can have um brown rice which has yeah. got fiber mm-hmm. but as you know obviously it still contains calories because, so you still
2: have yes
1: amount proportion yeah. okay um, but the important thing is that you're getting more fiber which obviously and the thing the thing about fiber rich carbohydrates is, is that it's got um so it stays it stays longer in the blood
2: yeah
1: okay so um obviously it, you, your body breaks it down slowly mm-hmm. so um yeah it would it would stay for a, a long time um so we're talking about gi indexes so this is a good one to to yeah. have which yeah
0: and fiber rich foods as well also suppress you know that feeling of hunger as well so when you eat it you don't suddenly feel like oh yeah i need to go and have something and have something else immediately but something Mm -hmm. that i was going to mention as well is what about sort of in the sort of african caribbean society environments or sort of asian societies as well um eating large amounts of food is normally considered normal or people say oh no and people are going to say that i'm not eating enough or are going to be worried that oh my portions are i've reduced them way too much what would you say to people who feel oh no you're telling me to eat too little for my my natural body size mm-hmm.
1: um <laughs> talking about body size um to be honest it's not just about body size in terms mm-hmm. of how we, we I mean, to be honest, what you eat should be personalised. So the amount of calories you're taking should be personalised depends on your goal at that time. Because mm-hmm. if you're trying to lose weight, you need to be having very low calories. You're, if you're just trying to be normal, maintain your weight and your blood sugar, um, then you need to work out what the best calories would be, depending on your body size if you're male or female or um depending on also the level of physical activity you do oh, important. there's no one fixed rule i mean on average for a woman, you're looking about 2000 calories just for maintenance yeah okay um so in terms of of course you need you need to think about how much you're eating as we know in african population we're used to i had to also change my eating habits because mm. you're being given large portions of carbohydrates, especially large
0: portions of too much
1: jollof rice, people like yeah. too much, too much jollof rice, <laughs> too much i rice, too much eba pounded yes, yam. Exactly. You know, oh, God. I remember, Obviously. you know, as a child, <laughs> as a child actually, I'll be like, oh no, I don't really want to eat bar and they'll be like, no, you have to eat your eba to eat your soup and your meat. I'm like, no, but I'm okay now. If, if all I had my soup with all the vegetables and meat in it. I will be, you know, having very highly nutritious food. I don't need to eat that But you like, you must finish your food. I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I did not help my life, but now I'm in control, so I can definitely cut down on my portion size. Um, so um, we're talking about switching. Um, instead of having a bar pounded jam, especially if you're already diagnosed with diabetes, you could, some people have oats. Yeah. You know, so you can have oats as your swallow because it's got fiber rich carbohydrates so that's something else you can switch with as well
0: or you can switch your jollof rice to bulgur lentils yeah so you Mm -hmm. you know you you can make jollof lentils as well so there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that you can switch in terms of your diet and what you're eating you can have quinoa with your vegetable soup as well on the side Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you're able to do in terms of making those changes on a daily basis um and a lot of people refer and um, have been referred to the desmond courses have you found that that has been beneficial for sort of afro-caribbean patients or do you think that it's more geared towards sort of a standard british diet
1: <laughs> okay so I, th- I think the part of the issues is also access okay yeah. um i've had the privilege of um, um observing Okay. Um, the course not, not the Desmond course but this was the um, diabetes prevention course which okay. I mean it's quite similar, it's
2: similar. but
1: to be honest the, the amount considering that diabetes is more predominant in the African and Caribbean population and the Asian population yeah. the actual participants I would say they were more, they were more Caucasians okay. so I mean you could say I mean the general feeling is that the Af- afro-caribbean population or the the most at risk population they're not actually accessing the services okay. and if they're not accessing the service i don't think it'll be fair to start talking about shabatis and jello fries when are they had any africans on the course
2: fair enough okay. yeah, yeah fair enough. so i
1: think on, i think the courses are quite good yeah um but obviously to help with planning we need to be able to encourage you know like the black population to attend this because we need it more um we didn't even talk about the statistics you know like if if, um if you're you're black you're if you're black you're about two to four times more likely to get diabetes Mm -hmm. compared to um someone from the white white background or like caucasian yeah Mm still our risk is actually high yeah you know, so um but that's the thing. I think probably we need to maybe we need to we need to have further talks on what's actually affecting why are people not accessing the services because I mean they could access it from their GP. Why why are black people not accessing this? I don't know if you've got an answer for that. Well,
0: to be fair, so I've I've recently over the past sort of I think mainly in December, I did refer to to um I think maybe about two to three African patients to the Desmond course and these Mm -hmm. are patients who had already been diagnosed with diabetes for a while and they just never heard Mm -hmm. of it. So they were right. already on metformin or glycoside, you know, or on some sort of medication for for management of diabetes. But just before we go ahead, I'm just going to let the people know what the Desmond course is. So it's mm-hmm. for diabetes education and self-management for ongoing and newly diagnosed, and that is for mm-hmm. two diabetics. And basically, it's an education course, often run by nurses and dietitians, to be able to give people better understanding of how your body processes sugar and carbohydrates rates so that you're able to make long-lasting changes um, and when I mentioned it to them they were actually quite interested in it um, so I think maybe also in, there might also just be an, uh, a better need for awareness right across the board in terms of patients knowing that actually there's something that they can access um, mm-hmm. and also um, healthcare professionals also just remembering that at any point, you know, when you see someone who is struggling with their sugars, um, or someone who's newly diagnosed, just mention it to them. Or if they have been diagnosed before, and you're assuming that they've, they've someone has mentioned it to them before, there's not no harm in just saying, "Have you ever been to the Desmond course? Did you find it useful? Do you want to go again?" For it to sort of jog your memory, and I think that might be something that might help. That might help. Mm-hmm. And then maybe with time, the course itself might then start to change. And then' yes. start talking about chapati ugali, you know rice those kind of things so that we can make so that we can make um, some some differences as well in it um, but what about portion control what would you what would you say because I think that is also something that is um an issue how mm-hmm. how what tips would you give people in terms of
1: controlling their portions okay um world well, says make changes that are realistic yeah okay realistic the, is the word guys because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i've had patients i've seen on the first day they're like oh i heard you can reverse they've just been diagnosed with diabetes oh doctor i heard you can reverse diabetes how do i reverse my diabetes i'm like no no let's let's just start from you know let's let's do baby steps let's walk first before we're running yeah. okay so um it's a i mean if you were eating a, a large i wish i had a plate here, yeah. if you're eating a, a very large bowl of, of, of rice rice yeah. um, before, you can't just go straight to not having rice at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's about gradual, progressive changes.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, but if you were to ask what a, what what are recommended, okay, normally, what I'd say, I mean, some people count calories, and like I said, mm-hmm. you can work out what your daily requirements are on average, tends to be about two thousand calories. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you had a plate you know what i what works for me okay i put it's best to put your vegetables first i say the vegetable as the main thing on the plate so half of my plates should be vegetables
2: yeah
1: and and then the other quarter should be carbs mm-hmm. so but like i said fiber rich carbohydrates Yeah. okay yeah. and then the other quarter of the plate mm-hmm. um should be your protein
2: yeah
1: so again protein healthy protein so like legumes um you could have um you could have some meat or fish, but you know having lean meat instead of meat with a lot of because you know Africans we like the brocchettos and you know those those you know with all the fatty fatty stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it tastes nice, like you can't <laughs> I, deny that. I don't soups, the sauces taste like,
2: like takes,
0: so, <laughs> sources, so rich, and like you're eating yes. it,
2: you can. Oh yeah, but
1: it's not. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's about yeah, looking at having a healthy plate. Just just aiming to have a healthy plate. I mean, the other thing I would say actually you know a lot of times we focus on oh what do i need to what what should i not do mm. to you know lose weight to get my sugar control but how about what you can do Why I, well, I mean what might might be a good thing to focus on is how can i have nutritious foods
2: yeah
1: you know how can i eat more nutritious how can i make sure i'm getting you know like my my minerals my vitamins you know getting folic acid iron from my food so eating more greeny vegetables you know, rather than just having a plate, and like, oh, I'm just going to eat because I'm hungry. It's just rice stew, you know, and meat, you know. I'm like, what well, can, can I, how can I, how can I, you know, have, you know, salad on the, you know, salad and then have just a little bit of rice and and sauce. But just, you know, think, being aware. I think the main, the first thing is, first of all, being knowledgeable because you know, there's not a lot out there on nutrition unless you go out to find find out yourself. But maybe the first thing will be able to educate yourself. I mean there's a good website. So diabetes.co.uk talks a lot about nutrition, talks about diabetes control. So there's a lot of places where NHS choices is another one. Um, So you can get more information and hopefully with knowledge, then you can apply the knowledge and see some progress.
0: And make make the right changes. And what about people who feel that they're bound to get diabetes because they've seen their grandfather have it, their grandma, their mom, Mm -hmm. their dad, their siblings, and they feel, okay, you know what, this is a genetic thing. So this type 2 diabetes is a genetic thing. I'm going to get it anyway, so I might as well just live my life while I can and when I get it I get it what would you say to that that group
1: um, I mean yes um, you're not bound to get it mm-hmm. but your risk of getting it is higher so mm-hmm. you I mean if your first degree relative, with your mom your parents or your mm-hmm. siblings if they've got diabetes you're two to um, you're two to six times more likely to get type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. so your risk is gonna be higher than the general population yeah but again we think you know if you are aware of that risk then you can try and do something about it
2: okay yeah
0: yeah and so once once you know where you stand then you can then make the changes that are going to last to be able to help you as well what about um so you mentioned something that was really important you said there's no one specific diet for diabetes and i'm gonna touch on a bit of a minefield area um mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have time to address it today, so we'll probably have to bring you back in to discuss it. But what about yeah. the group of people who say keto, going keto is going to cure their <laughs> diabetes? There's been a report um talking about that recently. I think I saw that on the news the other day, uh, you know, a chap who'd done really well for himself and going from being morbidly obese to being within a normal BMI and he, you know, he he was a champion for going keto. Um, what would you
1: say about, about that, that cohort and that belief? <laughs> well, I would say that's true. Keto, keto diets can actually, um, you can actually reverse diabetes mm-hmm. on a keto diet. Yeah. Okay. Um, however, I just need to make it clear that, you know, keto diet is not for everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, when we talk about keto diets, it means you're going to be consuming less than 50 grams of carbohydrates. So very, very little carbohydrates and um, a high amount of good fats in the diet mm-hmm. okay um i mean for some people it's not sustainable
2: mm-hmm. okay
1: um so that's one thing and then um we don't actually have a long long-term safety data obviously there are people that are, that are doing well improving their diabetes but there's no long-term safety data on um, the keto diet mm-hmm. and you can't i mean i wouldn't recommend the keto diet definitely if you're pregnant or if you're lactating or if you've got kidney disease mm-hmm. so it's not advisable and saying that, you know, keto diet is just one one aspect of you know eating. Again, like what I would says, walk work your way. I mean, what's the the difficulties you're having? If you mm-hmm. feel you're fine having less carbohydrate, that amount of carbohydrates and you know having a good amount of fat, that's fine. You know, but for some people, for someone like me, I love every a bit of everything, yeah. So I just want to be able to, to eat what I like, but yeah. then have less of you know the things that, that I shouldn't, yeah. Um, or try to more or less, no, I, I won't say I don't strictly calorie count, but just roughly get an idea of how much calories I'm, con- I'm consuming. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what I wouldn't do the keto diet, but again, some people can do it successfully, and that's fine,
2: mm-hmm. okay.
1: But I just want to highlight there's so many other diets out there there's a dash diet, there's zone diet, there's Orange diet, there's Mediterranean diet. Oh my but there's goodness.
0: so many. Diets it's so overwhelming honestly every single time someone comes in and says doctor i'm on the so and so diet i have to i have to actually pause to clarify like okay what exactly is this diet what are the contents what is the main belief because every new day there's a brand new one dr oz in the us just came out with another one and the whole medical community in america is you know going create a lot of them don't like it to uh, you know questioning him I, I
1: could, we could also come up with, it, with our own we, we could also know, come exactly. up with so like the african population you know there's,
0: there's just so many diets out there and i think that the critical thing is actually understanding your own body and making sure that you're getting advice that is tailored to you
2: absolutely
0: um to you and your lifestyle the kind of life you're living as well and what about this because I think one of the, because obviously we're, we're busting myths and debunking myths via mm-hmm. um, this podcast. Eating three times a day. <laughs> is, yeah, is that, what, what is that? Where, where did that come from and why do we do it?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I mean, if, if I was to answer the question for myself, that was just how I was brought up you know have breakfast before school have lunch when you get home and have dinner before you go to bed <laughs> okay <laughs> so but again everyone is different cultures are different like people like spain and they have their dinners at like 12 mm. or one 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 i don't even know if that's dinner or was breakfast because like 1am or something um so i i don't think it again it depends on your level of physical activity what you're doing throughout the day i mean shift workers might not be the same thing for them yeah. okay but what i would say is actually good to eat small meals regularly
2: exactly yeah
1: okay but again if you can only manage three that's fine but you, i mean most people recommend having five five meals or having three meals with bits of um, healthy snacks in between um but there's no there's no right or wrong to be honest it depends on i think the, the important thing to make sure is that you're actually having nutritious-based foods when you do eat, mm-hmm. okay? And you're not like you know eating junks in between. If if you know you're gonna if you know you're gonna be hungry quite soon, there's no point just eating twice a day and then eating a lot of junks in between.
0: I think that's the issue, isn't it? It's that people leave their meals so far apart. Yes, either, you either then end up binge, well, maybe not binge, but having a really heavy meal either mm-hmm. in the evening or maybe when you get back home and that's the first time you're eating and then you eat, you sort of take in a lot of processed sugar and then have a mm-hmm. really large meal as well that might not be very nutritious as opposed to planning your whole day with small amounts of nutritious, you know, well-thought-out, well-thought-out meals. Um, exactly. is, that something that, is that something that you practice in terms of, you know, five regular small meals?
1: Um, I wouldn't say all the time mm-hmm. it depends on how busy I am yeah well probably on average i would say I'll say probably yes wow um, but, um I wouldn't say meals I think probably more meat mid- mid-morning snacks and like evening snacks where you probably be like let's say like hummus and um some peppers you know in between or maybe a shake um like like vegetable shakes or like sometimes like I'm about to eat my salad so I just blend everything <laughs> with like some blueberries and kind of yeah. but I tried I try to eat basically. I'm not the one. I mean, if you follow my Instagram um, page. Yeah, make sure you follow Dr.
0: Sandy and like follow her stories, her food, grilled fish, like vegetables, all the amazing things she's cooking. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm always cooking. I see her husband giving her a thumbs up sometimes (laughs) in the stories as well.
1: I mean, saying that, I did try, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say obviously, I've had my own share of, you know, trying different things and making mistakes, but now I know what works for me. I know I love food, so I need to accept the fact that I love food, but it's making sure that the food works for me, you know, because what happens is when you have excess than what your body actually needs. Yeah. So um, I make sure I'm obviously eating properly, but also exercising regularly, you know, try and be active to make sure I'm burning some of the calories off. um but again i i I try not to overeat um so yes. yes
0: that is really important and just one thing before we go um towards the end of the episode you mentioned just exercising now and obviously we know that you're you're a bit of a fitness
1: buff that's important for everyone i think the problem now is that we're getting into the category where people think oh i'm fit and healthy but are you really fit and healthy you might be fit and healthy now but if you're not doing the right things in the next five to 10 years, who knows, you might move switch to the next category of being, you know, what you might consider, um, you know, having some chronic disease. So it's doing what you can now to not just only treat the condition you've got, but also to prevent you from developing, you know, things like obesity or diabetes. Mm-hmm. So in terms of exercise, um, definitely, um, I would say start small.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: again it's about i i remember when i said exercising like properly um i couldn't even like i would run and i'll be panting i would say definitely try give it a go your body's designed for it you know if you if 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 you if you keep feeding your 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 muscles with the right stuff obviously it's going to get stronger yeah. and then that would help you to be able to work better
2: even yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely and i often say to people you know we we always recommend that you know 30 minutes a day um medium intensity raising your heart rate but i'd say you know go out for a walk for five to ten minutes initially Mm -hmm. and that consistently for a month and just five to ten minutes is actually not that much, you know, by the time you come back home, if you've got a long day at work, whatever it is, just five to ten minutes initially, and once your your body's used to doing that, then you can then start to build it up um, a, li- a little bit, and exercise does not have to be an hour in the gym every single day, it could be with a YouTube video at home, you know, and and do to make it fun you can join a park run you know locally little things like that can can, can make um, dancing
1: thing. i enjoy dancing so dancing, dancing. for me
0: dancing. fantastic mm. yeah you know there's zumba videos online that you can do so there's lots of things that that you can um, definitely do and you know just listening to afrobeats at home and just dancing <laughs> to it while you're going so you're some baller boy, <laughs> yeah it's definitely <laughs> something that that is effective
1: I know we talked about aerobic. I'm just going to say resistant training as well. Mm-hmm. So even if you can't go for a run, you can just start with some little weights, mm-hmm. you know, so like the dumbbells. Everyone should do resistant training because even if you don't feel like it's beneficial for you now, that would that would help you for when you become older. <laughs> so you strengthen your muscles and your bones, mm-hmm. but then it reduces the amount of what we call visceral fat. So that's the bad fat, fat that you don't yeah. want. Yeah, but resistant training is actually important. So not just aerobic exercise is good. Running and the rest is good. But just strength training, working yep. out those core, you know, just simple weight training, even if it's, you know, like doing t- dumbbells, just even 10 a day is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So every little helps. That's what I really want to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just can we end on a positive note? For, yes. You see, I know this talk has been about diabetes. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to quickly touch on what we call the direct trial. Mm-hmm. so this was actually done in, in in the uk so they recruited about five thousand patients just over five thousand patients with um that di- diabetes and then they were exposed to intensive lifestyle um so low calorie diet yeah. so they set up with calories about 800 and then it was increased gradually over a few weeks yeah. um then also they were given structured exercise programs mm-hmm. okay so what they actually found that about even because the 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 Patients were studied over a long number of time, but after two years, about thirty six percent. So that's over a third of you know the participants They were actually able to reverse their diabetes yes. just with you know intensive diet and lifestyle. So it is possible. This is, uh, we're not just saying all this just because you know just to mention, but it's it's really these. It, 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 there are real life patients that have actually reversed their diabetes, yes. and they're obviously um, a lot healthier. And it's not just diabetes because when you when you're, you're healthier obviously that improves your cardiovascular fitness or so reduces your risk of also having a heart attack mm-hmm. or stroke mm-hmm. so um yeah hopefully we'll get to talk about this in more detail but um yeah so glad to be here <laughs>
0: definitely definitely and that, and that is such a positive note as well that diabetes can be reversed it can go into remission and the main thing with you know moving it backwards is actually intense lifestyle changes as well. So because we're trying to make everybody a health champion, what would you say today as a, as a takeaway for people who want to become a health champion wherever they go?
1: Be yourself. <laughs> I know it sounds very silly, but um, be yourself and be a better version of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, And then also you'll be able to help other people in that way. And but um obviously just being Mm -hmm. self-aware self-aware the first thing is treating your body um with respect yeah okay um so with TLC you know you won't be eating junks you know you won't be putting junks in your house so why would you put junks in your body Mm. um you know you'd want
0: to (laughs)
1: <laughs> do that again for the people so, back. so I, I don't know about maybe some people would but you know i personally wouldn't want anyone come to throw garbage in my house yeah. so i would obviously definitely not throw garbage in my house so if mm-hmm. you think of your body like a temple mm-hmm. um you know do not throw garbage in there and you know try and get out what you can get out that's rubbish so that might be through exercising to help burn off you know excess that's not meant to be there so think of it that way and I think that will help you <laughs>
0: fantastic treat your body with respect and since you don't keep junk in your house don't put any garbage in your body thank you so so much Dr. Sandra it's been absolutely a pleasure having you on today and hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon make sure you guys follow her on Instagram Dr. Sandy and I will link um, her Instagram page um, beneath in the notes on iTunes thank you thank you thank you for joining us on today's episode remember that this podcast in no way replaces the advice you receive from your own doctor or physician don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media leave us a review on itunes so that others can access the amazing content and do join the club at a slice of health club, where you will also be able to access the profiles of the guests we've had on today and don't forget to be a health champion wherever you are by separating health fact from health fiction